HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. Hey, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare at its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was, yeah, I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugarcane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today's episode number 103 of Feast Your Ears. This is the second show in a sort of two-part series I've done about lamb. In episode 102, I spoke with John Jamison about raising lamb and his farm, Jamison Farm, out in Pennsylvania. And then for this episode, I spent a little time in the kitchen with Brian Mayer talking about and cooking and, of course, tasting some lamb. Brian is a butcher, chef, and an educator. Today I'm in the kitchen at the Brooklyn Kitchen with Brian Mayer. Uh, Brian's a butcher, chef, educator, uh, and I wanted to talk about lamb. We're uh, the week before Easter, so lamb is mm-hmm. on everybody's mind, I think. Yes. Do you eat lamb for Easter? I, I do now. I haven't in the past. It's a, you know, uh, we didn't uh, eat a lot of lamb in my house growing up. 
father was not a fan of lamb. <laughs> That's too bad. Some bad experiences. <laughs> we can get into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I I always liked lamb. Um, I've always found it to be interesting. Uh, that people don't. I, don't yeah. I sort of think it's really weird that people don't like lamb. I can understand not liking things that are very unified of flavor. Like if you're like, I don't really like mustard. That's cool. Like all mustard kind of tastes, you know, there's different kinds, but it tastes kind yeah. of the same. If you don't like vinegar, then right. Yeah, like exactly. Like, and, uh, right. Yeah. But if you, but if you, but saying you don't like lamb is so weird to me. And I think a lot of that is probably because of how people cook it. Definitely how people cook it, uh, how it's raised yeah. is another thing. Because yep. those are all sort of contributing factors yeah. to how something tastes. But then there's also and how it gets portrayed too, right? Because yeah. the media hasn't really helped. Yeah. <laughs> we can, not that we're bashing the media, but like the media hasn't helped it when they, you know, sort of use pejorative terms like gamey as this sort of like as really bad thing. And I don't really understand what game, I mean, I know what people are trying to convey when they say gamey, right. but I don't think that's, a, that's an apt description. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely the, and there is a distinction between lamb and mutton. Yes. Right? And, yeah. that, and that, that actually is like a legally defined Yeah, there's thing. three distinctions. And then if you go into Europe, there's even more. But you have lamb, which is less than 12 months. Uh, 12 to 18 is yearling, uh, yearling mutton. And then 18 plus is, is mutton. So most of what you buy when you buy lamb is very young, yes. relatively speaking, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the majority of it is that. Um, just very recently, people have started to come around to the whole idea of what eating older animals means and how that contributes to flavor and all those really wonderful beneficial things of having animals out on pasture longer for soil health and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, again, I, I don't sort of discriminate. I, I, I love lamb. I love mutton. There's a place for both. Right. Um, and, you know, farmers need to make money and they need to make money on both sides. So to me, that's the most important right. thing. Um, I mean, as a, as a butcher, I mean, I guess it's sort of a weird question to ask, but do you like breaking down lamb? Yes. Yeah. I think um, so, you know, uh, beef is, everybody is always like, oh, I want to, when we're teaching, I want to break beef. That's the thing. Uh, do you think it's because as Americans we're obsessed with size? Yeah, and it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, I can break beef. I'm a butcher now, and I, I kind of look at it the opposite. Beef is big, and you can you can make some mistakes, right? You can kind of blast through it. Um, pigs are relatively easy to break for how we consume them. Obviously, if you're getting into charcuterie and like really seaming it out and breaking the muscles, there's a, a level of expertise that certainly, I mean, there's a level of expertise for everything. But because of lambs, size, because most of the time it comes in whole animal form, right. uh, and because it's, 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 a more, it's a more delicate meat, Sure. Uh, more well, it's a smaller animal. I mean, your your yeah. point about the beef is really interesting. So the beef is so large that if you miss a half inch of meat on a beef shoulder, you're not really losing much as a percentage of the total yeah, beef. Exactly. There's ways to sort of manipulate that and, and make it work in your favor. And then again, everybody's going to eat like a burger anyway, so right. you're just going to grind it, right? Right. So, um, but uh, but yeah. So it's just a, a bit more delicate. But I think you know. So to me, that's sort of the graduation point. Like when you can break lamb um, and do it proficiently, I think that's one of the sort of those milestones. In my, and for me, at least, that means like you're a butcher, because. You know, you don't really want to use a saw because, again, it's so delicate and that, that friction and the heat will oxidize it faster. Um, so you can really just break lamb with a knife. And right. so that has to do with then understanding anatomy and biology and all those things, yeah. jointing, which is all really important to being a butcher. Right. Um, and, and lamb, I mean, also tends to be expensive, which I think 
could be a reason, I think, that people some maybe shy away from it, right? As a, yeah. as a more regular consumed meat, as the price of commodity meats of other kinds, like beef and pork, has come down mm -hmm. through subsidies and through our sort of like unwillingness to pay a fair market price for yeah, these things. Absolutely. Lamb, I think, has stayed outside the norm because it often, you know, it is hard for someone to look at it and be like, all I get is this tiny little chop. Yeah. Right? You see that next to a pork chop or a steak and you're sure. like, wait, for the same money, I can get more. Yeah. Not that we need to eat more. But that's, you know, as, that's, as American yeah. consumers, yeah. that's our thing. It's like bigger, more. Um, yeah, and there's lots of contributing factors to that. I will say just from the, from the, uh, from the standpoint of nutritional content and all that sort of thing, like you would actually consume less uh, meat if you were to switch to lamb, uh, say over beef, because if you were purely eating to feed the machine and that sort of thing, it's got higher levels of omega threes, which are super important, obviously. And you know, as we sort of hopefully start to shift away from commodity and conventional stuff, we we see that the uh, you know. That our omega three and omega six ratios are completely out of whack because right. of what the diet is in these conventional animals. Um, so yeah, so that's one thing. You know, it's it's a it's a difficult animal in that uh, the yield uh, is 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 a is pretty uh, hard to deal with. In that you know, from on the uh, hoof when it's alive to on the hook after it's slaughtered is about a fifty percent yield. Wow! So you lose half the animal. There's a lot of uh, uh, viscera and oval. Small animal, and then the bone. Right, when you see so, a lamb alive or a sheep alive, yeah. right? they're not lamb when they're alive, they're sheep. Yeah. But when you see a sheep on the pasture, yeah. they look very like they're mm -hmm. like pockets. Yes, exactly. So that's all space in there being filled up with with uh, viscera. Right, it's not meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and then you know larger bone structure to to, to meat ratio, um, and so it's so you lose a lot on that animal, and so obviously that's going to affect the price and the amount of people farming lamb especially in this country, has decreased sure. significantly. Yeah, I was looking at the statistics, and I think, I mean, it has dropped by almost half mm -hmm. since the 90s. Yeah. So, and, and I also looked at the number, you know, in some cases, for a second when I saw that statistic, I thought, well, okay, maybe there's less farmers, but the farms are bigger, but in fact, that's also not true. The number of lamb being raised is also about half what yeah. it was back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And that's not that long of a time. No, no, it's not is, at all. Which yeah. is pretty dramatic. But, you know, so I hope that, you know, as we talk more about lamb, um, certainly this time of year, but uh, you know, as, as we see it more in sort of your, your sort of boutique butcher shops, yep. and you do see it a lot more in supermarkets and if you sure. go to Whole Foods or Wegmans, yeah. there's lots of lamb. Um, well, sure, and I mean, and lamb is lamb comes so I mean, there's domestically available lamb. Yes, a lot of it's raised out west. There's New Zealand sure. lamb. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that a lot of the lamb from New Zealand is raised, also raised on grass. Yeah. Well, you're you're looking at a, a climate that's subtropic, right? Yeah. So you can just pasture those animals right. all year round. When you come to the states, right, and you've got the northeast or the southeast or northwest and you know, the West and all that. You've got just so much different, different climates, yeah. different soils. Yep. You know, so uh, what you get in New Zealand is definitely uh, uh, a 
much more homogenous product. Sure. So it's pretty consistent, yep. uh, which is you know important to a lot of people. I I, I like mean we were talking about farming yeah. as a production. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Right? And that's well, valuable. to some though. Yeah. Like, but you know I tend to like to view meat the same way you would view cheese or wine, and that like there's just going to be a lot of different flavors and a lot of different varietals, uh, if you will, yeah. depending on where it comes from. So again, the soil in the northeast is different yeah. from the soil in the south, different than the yeah. west. And I don't know, that should be interesting to people. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I like about lamb. And I, I wonder, I mean, if you think that people are able to find this. I mean, you know, we're very lucky to live in the Northeast, mm -hmm. to live in urban areas where there are great butchers that yeah. are really doing things right, where there's lots of transparency. You know, if someone is shopping at a Kroger, and I choose Kroger just because they, I mean, they were in the news this morning, Kroger and Target maybe talking about a merger yeah. uh, after the Whole Foods Amazon thing. Mm -hmm. So it'd be very interesting. It's got people scrambling. <laughs> but you know, if you're at your regular, at your Kroger and you see something like say New Zealand lamb, you know, you know, okay, maybe it's grass fed. So there, I, I guess it's all a very long way to get around to the fact that I like eating lamb because I think in the last five or 10 years, we've come to a place where a lot of people are eating things very simply cooked mm -hmm. without a lot of flavor on this put. Right. And so to me, the idea of buying a piece of lamb that maybe is from a homogenous product like raised in New Zealand, but hopefully is local if you can buy it in the US, mm -hmm. that that's going to actually have more flavor than buying a commodity pork chop and putting it on your grill. Absolutely. And if you were to grill those two things next to each other and treat them exactly the same, the lamb is going to be a far more interesting sort of culinary and gustatory experience than the other white meat. It can be, you know, again, but then you're getting into, uh, you know, production methods and sure, how pigs are yeah. raised and the various yes, variables in their diet. But yeah, I think, you know, so- I guess I'm trying to drill down the lowest common denominator, yeah. right? That like, I would probably choose lamb over pork in that scenario personally, just from a flavor standpoint, because yeah. I would expect the lamb to have more flavor. Yeah, I think, you know, I just, uh, I always go for lamb because it's the underdog, right. and so, I don't know, I, and it shouldn't be, so I'm the guy right. that always shows up at the party or the barbecue or whatever it is where we're cooking, yep. I'll show up with lamb, either sausage or uh, ground to make burgers, because lamb burgers are awesome, and nobody ever thinks about, about, or not nobody, but most people don't think of making a lamb burger. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, I, you know, Heritage Radio Network, we, yeah, right. <laughs> Heritage Radio Network, we had our fundraiser, uh, you know, last fall, uh, or last December, I guess, um, you know, and as a host, I was asked to contribute something, and I said, well, I'm going to do lamb tartare, and everybody was blown away, and they're like, wait, like, you didn't do beef tartare? And I was like, no, I did lamb tartare, it's going to be so much better, you know, it, was, yeah, it was great, yeah. it was, you know, it, it was delicious, it was fresh, I worked with Lena Diaz at yeah. Green Grape, where you used to work, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she... She broke down the, the, the lamb and I ground it and we served it raw and it was, I mean, it was amazing. People, awesome. people were blown away by it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, raw meat, that kind of thing, people are into anyway, right? Like there's something kind of spectacular. Sure. Oh, I'm eating raw meat. It feels dangerous somehow. Yeah. But if it had been beef, I don't think people would have been as excited as they were. They would have, they would have eaten it because whatever. But they, and I think that's the thing. I think the more we cook with it, the more we talk about it, the more we can get chefs to put it on their menus, yeah. which again, there's hurdles to that, obviously. But the more that we can do that, then I think the, you know, we'll increase the chances of its visibility and obviously people will consume it more because it's out there for them to see, yeah. Well, you brought some lamb and I picked up some lamb chops, so why don't, we, why don't we cook some lamb? Okay. A little, uh, you know, I mean, the people listening can't see it, so will you describe what we have here? So what do we've got? We've got a, a bit of leg of lamb, 
um, which is awesome. So, you know, people always think of uh, leg of lamb as sort of a roast, a bone-in roast, and a, a sort of a, a special holiday thing. But again, to sort of think outside the holiday, um, and what we've got is this sort of top round-ish section. I just sort of butterfly the whole leg. Uh, and what we're going to do is grill it, because lamb is awesome on the grill. Yeah. Uh, and then again, like you, I kind of, I just, I salt it and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to do a sort of a marinade or something like that, uh, I, I like yogurt and harissa. And the mint jelly thing with lamb I find so interesting because I feel like that is the, like, the, uh, I don't know, I feel like that's like the Anglo, the Anglo yeah. taste of how you, uh, sure. how you yeah, well, you know, the, the, the British and the Irish, you yep. know, have, uh, the English and the Irish have uh, uh, cooked that forever. So now, so this leg of lamb is, is boned out. Um, yes. And I mean, one of the ways that I actually love eating leg of lamb uh, is actually, so this is a shoulder chop next to it, right? So it's round bone shoulder chop, yeah. yeah. And so you just basically cut right across uh, the arm bone yeah. uh, and into the rib section. So you get a little bit of that rib bone there yep. and then that nice little arm bone there with that marrow. And you can also do cuts like this of a leg, actually. Yeah, right. You can cut across absolutely and just do like bone, a nice leg steak. A yep. leg steak, and and you know that is one of my absolute favorites on yeah. the grill because I feel like you know if you're having a dinner party and you're going to be cooking on the grill, you can do this kind of mixed grill thing, and that presents really well. It's way more interesting than cooking a pork chop or a ribeye. Yeah, um, you get multiple muscles. Yep. that are all cross cut, so yep. they're all going to be tender. It's yeah. really. And I think you hit on it. You get the multiple muscles, and just like you do in the round bone chop off of the shoulder as well uh, and you cut it thin enough uh, so it'll it'll have some chew to it yeah. but it's not chewy yeah there's nothing wrong with chewing but those different muscles and those different structures add to the texture which adds to the flavor and that's really important too yeah. and where this lamb is from Kinderhook this is from Kinderhook so Georgia and Lee yeah and so we're really lucky in the Northeast to have like really great cheap farmers you know Georgia and Lee at Kinderhook uh, Phil and Lisa at North Star Sheep Farm uh, John and Suki at Jamison, uh, Jamison. Um, so there's lots of really great lamb uh, sheep farmers in the area. So people should definitely seek it out. All right, so I think so. Gonna, oh, and so you brought some ground lamb as well. And I brought some ground lamb. We could make some lamb burgers. And I do something that I don't normally do with burgers when I'm uh, uh, cooking beef, um, which is I just salt it. Uh, I, don't, I think, I, I forgot where I got this from. I, I got it from somebody. But mixing in a little bit of mustard and then a little bit of uh, brine capers. Oh, And wow. it just kind of, I don't know, it's a... Really yeah, it's almost. Like, I mean, taste. and and you're adding. I mean, you're adding. You're adding flavor. You're adding acidity. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels like you're almost then making. It's almost like a lamb sausage pad. Exactly. Kind of, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, not like a burger if you're traditional. Yeah. You know, in that like yeah. it should just have salt in it. Right? But yeah, and then you've got some. I picked up some tiny little you know little lamb chops. Yeah. I mean, I, I find you know it's funny. I, I went to uh, you know a local butcher shop here in Brooklyn, and I knew they'd have some lamb. I mean, they said, oh, we got leg of lamb because it's because it's you know Easter coming up. Sure. I was like, well, I don't need a leg of lamb. They always have these little lamb chops, and they're really, I mean, they're delicious, but they're, like, comically small, I yeah. feel like. So, like, they're these tiny little three-bone rib chops, and they're they're nice, but I feel like the, you know, the days of, like, the tiny lamb chop is, like, feels very 80s to me. Yes. As far as, like, a tiny lamb chop over some polenta on, like, a giant Kinder plate. Shop. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way oversized plate. Yeah. And and but you know, it's it's probably the most consumed part of of lamb. Yeah. So it's great that, you know, people are buying it and they're enjoying lamb. But again, like if we think about 
the rest of the animal and just tons of great flavor. If you look at the, the two ends of the animal, the shoulder and leg, the shoulder doing most of the work, yeah. right? And the legs being responsible for locomotion and all that. Like, so those are gonna have a ton of flavor that's already in it. So again, I just salt it and that's it. Cool. Yeah. All right, let's cook it. Cool. Oil for you. Wonderful. Let's see if I can get this thing working. I definitely feel like it, you know the the uh, you know butcher shops should be displaying these these shoulder chops right and these these boned out pieces of leg because they do display more like poor like we were talking about before like size wise right like yeah. if someone's coming in they're like oh, I want to have you know I got to get some meat for dinner and whatever you know these tiny little wee yeah lamb chops are kind of like exactly. they feel fussy yes whereas that shoulder chop looks exactly like you know it, I mean it's about the size of like a New York strip mm -hmm. and it looks you know you'd cook it very similarly I feel like the other thing with the you know the little tiny racks is like well if I screw that up now if I've decided to buy something it's like a slightly premium product yeah and that's the thing, I think consumers have this fear that they're gonna buy something like that, like a, a rib chop or a loin chop, and they're intimidated by it because of exactly that, like feeling like they're, they're gonna screw it up. Right. Whereas like, you know, something like the shoulder chop, it's a little bit more forgiving in terms of like, you know, um, you know cooking temps and cooking times and things like that. So, uh, and again though, they're just, you know, how they're displayed, because I think most consumers, when they walk into a butcher shop, will see the whole leg. Yeah, and right. Sitting in a case, yeah, and then you have to know do what to ask for yeah. too. You need to know to say, I want that cut as a steak. I want it seamed out. I want it as a roast. Like, what am I going to do with it? Exactly. So you mentioned earlier that your dad didn't really like lamb, so you didn't have it a lot growing up. None whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. he really hated it, and so there was uh, there was never lamb in that. Um, so yeah, uh, he passed away uh, at the end of last year. Oh, sorry, thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, my stepmom lives up in in Westchester, and so after that, I started going up there and cooking once a week or so uh, and having dinner. But the first time, you know, uh, we're planning a menu, you know, veggies and greens and all sorts of stuff like that. So all right, well, what about the meat protein? Like, do do you want beef? Do you want chicken? Pork? What do you want? And I said, she goes, I said, lamb? And she goes, lamb? And I was like, is it too soon? Right. And I'm like, well, he's gone. Whatever. We can have all the lamb we right. want now. And he would want you to be happy. And, and right? he would so. want us to be happy. So, so we ate lamb for our, for our first meal. So that's, that's kind of fitting. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally anyway, anytime, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Sirchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth generation cheesemakers combine old world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards 
to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. This uh, piece of leg, boned-out leg that you just lay in the in the pan in the hot oil, uh-huh. you know, it's vibrantly red. Yes. And to an untrained eye, someone might look at it and be like, "Oh, that looks kind of like beef." Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you know? What are you looking for? So the color changed a little bit because I softened it about an hour before, which I always do. So that's going to tenderize, of course, but it's also going to add flavor and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, obviously, I, I want people to buy local lamb, right. um, so that's a, a really great thing to ask and just to sort of see where that animal is coming from. Um, and then other than that, you know, uh, just try to, you know, eat something other than a rack or a loin chow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, ask I, for those things. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, if you are going to a butcher counter, say, you know, hey, I'd really like some lamb, but... Can you grind it for me, or can you... Yeah, and they should, you know, most shops should have ground lamb. Uh, They might not have it all the time. So I think, you know, especially if you're shopping for lamb, and it's a local lamb, and you're going to a smaller local butcher shop, I think, you know, you've got to be a little bit more flexible. Um, That doesn't mean that you can't get lamb, um, but, you know, understanding that, well, maybe if they don't have something off the leg, I can get something off the shoulder. Now, clearly, if you're planning a meal and it has to be a rib chop, then it just has to be a rib chop. Yeah, of course. Kind of working around And people that. are very traditional about things like Easter dinner or other celebratory very. dinners, and so for them, leg is going to be the thing that most likely people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm just kind of searing it. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that you can do, uh, again, for sort of the, the novice lamb eater or the, the scared lamb eater, is to remove some of the fat. Because that'll be where those fatty acid compounds kind of congregate uh, a lot, right? And obviously that'll be, you know, a, a lot of the flavor from what the animal is eating. So you can kind of trim it down and lean it down if you have to and sort of initiate some of it. It doesn't really address fat on the cellular level, but sure. that's a whole different thing. But again, that thick fat cap that yeah. tends to be on the outside of areas on the leg uh, can get trimmed down. And so, you know, we'll, we'll baby steps. Right. Right. For, so for you the, mentioned that, you people. mentioned the fat on the intramuscular level. I mean, lamb is not known as being a super fatty. No, I mean, it can be. Right. And again, that depends on diet and yep. age. Uh, and breed, I imagine. And absolutely. Yeah. So there's tons of tons of contributing factors for that. Um, but most of the time, you're going to see them, um, you know, they'll, and the range in weight can kind of, obviously can vary as well. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for lamb to be 50, 60 pounds, but I've seen them bigger, and I've seen them a little smaller. Sure. So, yeah. So we're just going to pop that uh, boned out leg, it's been seared on both sides, going to pop it into a 350 degree oven for a little bit, let the, let the center heat up. Looks like our uh, shoulder chop is, uh, is about done here. So you also brought up, I think, something really interesting and sort of, sort of a, a hot button topic, and that's slaughter and the difficulty in getting animals to slaughter. Right. Um, so there's a big push amongst some folks in Washington to really sort of change the rules about on-farm slaughter and sort of open that up to more farmers and to more businesses. 
because of the, the great distances that most farmers have to go to get their animals slaughtered. Um, you know, we're not talking about huge, uh, huge farms that have access to, to large-scale slaughter facilities. We're talking about mostly small farmers um, that have to travel to 300 miles uh, to right. have there. And so the stress that that puts on the animal, uh, obviously taking the farmer away from time doing what sure. they're supposed to be doing. Right. Added which is, expense. Which is farming. Added expense. So there's some, so there's some hurdles, obviously, to to uh, uh, on-farm slaughter. We do it with chickens. Uh, depending what state you're in, there's a, a limit, I think in, in New York and some other Northeast uh, states, it's, it's uh, uh, 20,000 birds a year or so. Um, and so issues being like logistics and space and capital to build out the area that right. you would need to. Right. You, need a, you still need a facility. Yeah, you still it's not like something. you're allowed to just take the animal in yeah. the pasture. And but I think it. smaller ruminants are a great way to get into doing that. I really, I think the logistics of beef would, would be difficult in yeah. terms of size, but when you look at hogs or when you look at uh, sheep, uh, I think there's some potential there for, for more on-farm slaughter for, for these smaller smaller farms. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So the chop is off. We're going to let it rest for a little bit. Super important, obviously. So you want uh, all those juices and all that stuff to stay inside. So when it's hot, it's pretty, uh, uh, um, pretty thin, uh, yep. the, the oils yep. and the fat, and as it cools down, they'll thicken up and stay where they're supposed to go. Yeah, cool. So for, for lamb, so, you know, the, what, we're, what we're cooking here, uh, animal is probably, what, nine months old? Something mm -hmm. like that? Yeah, un under 12, under obviously, 12. So, yeah. so somewhere in that range. Yep. Um, and then that animal is slaughtered uh, very much in the same way that, that beef and pork are slaughtered, taken to a USDA slaughterhouse. Yeah. Uh, captive bolt. Captive bolt. For, yeah, hogs are different uh, for the most part. But yeah, captive bolt, um, lead. Uh, these are skin, obviously, uh, and eviscerated. And then they'll hang. Um, they'll hang for 24 hours or so, but they should, you know, obviously go longer. Um, and that'll help sort of you know, flavors develop, sure. help with tenderness, all those things that are that are that are important. Um, you don't really see that much with conventional animals, obviously. Like those guys are brought down to temp and they're cut and boxed and set out. Right. Yeah, so and they're so that's kind of like aging in transit. Yeah, way, right? and again, you're, but you're disrupting that process yeah. when you do that, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's happening. So yeah, so it's 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 you know. I usually like to hang lamb for anywhere from three to five days, depending on the fat on the outside. And there's things to mitigate against, like it drying. You can sort of wet some cloth and put that on the outside to keep it from drying out too much. But usually three to five days is pretty good. Does it tend to dry out because, again, the animal's so small? Because it's very, it can be fairly lean right. and doesn't have that fat. Sure, and, and most walk-in refrigerators are operating in a, in a way where they're, they're really they're sucking humidity out of the air. Yes. Constantly. Yeah, well, it's a natural desiccant. So. Yep. So there, and there's also ways uh, at, to work with lamb in terms of bringing the temperature down in stages as well. So you don't shock those muscles. And, bring it down too quickly, so you bring that temperature down a lot slower. The USDA has some issues with that at times, but uh, there's also some science to back up doing it that way. Well, and, and I mean, you know, the USDA, I think, 
their, their mission to keep us as Americans from getting sick is very important. Sure. Uh, however, in looking at lots of other cultures, there's lots of places where they do not treat meat the same way we do here. Yeah. And people don't. People do get sick, but sure. not, you know, it, it's not as rampant as yeah. we're led to believe that if you make one small misstep, that everybody's going to die. Yeah. The USDA does, isn't really concerned with how, how things taste. You know? Yeah. yeah. All right, so we've cooked up some really awesome looking stuff. We have Brian's signature lamb burger with mustard and capers. Uh, I saw you mixing up some yogurt and harissa yeah. over there. And you know, you can vary the spice, but I, you know, I don't think you want it too spicy because again, I don't think you want to overpower yeah. the taste of lamb. So. Uh, we have these little, little. Uh, uh, I was going to say riblets, but that's the wrong, <laughs> the wrong term. I think uh, McDonald's probably owns that one. Yeah, I think, I think they call them like. It comes from the the section that they call the bracelet that wraps around. Um, they call them lollipop chops. Yeah, that exactly. sort of thing. Little three bone lollipop chops. We have our leg uh -huh. uh, that we seared off and then put in the oven to bring up to temp, and then we have our uh, shoulder chop here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's taste them. Cool. Let's see what you know. What do you want to What do you want to get into first? You tell me, man. Let's Here's do the, the let's that's that sat there for a bit. The yeah. um, the shoulder. Yeah. So we'll get into that. So the shoulder you're talking about mul multiple muscles, right? Multiple. So muscles. when you slice sure. it around this sort of the the round bone, and that's got marrow in it, uh -huh. right? Yep. You're sort of classic. Classic marrow bone. I guess you could give it to your dog if your dog is not a large dog because it's a pretty small. It's bone. a pretty tiny. <laughs> yeah. Get in there, yeah. Definitely has the taste of lamb. I mean, mm -hmm. You know, which I don't like. The, I don't like to call it gamey. I think it's just what lamb tastes like. Yeah, very um, good. Mm. And that fat. I really like the fat is kind of sweet, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Which is again because. These are pastured animals, and they're grass. They're grass-fed lamb. Um, you're going to get sort of that variance in flavor coming from the fat, just because of where it was raised. These guys coming from from the Hudson Valley. Yeah, and um, it has that chewiness you're talking about. It's not. It's not. It's not chewy. I guess almost toothiness. Has yeah, texture. Exactly. You when you bite into it, you feel your tooth sinking down into the meat. Yeah, which I think you know is a very satisfying feeling. Yeah, right? it's not. I mean, people have all these. You know, they, they use all this flowery language about things that melt in your mouth and all that other stuff, which is not, I feel like that's sort of not enjoyable, right? I mean, to me, that's like, why would you want that unless you have no teeth? Yeah, exactly. And, and that time may come, maybe not. Uh, yeah, right. but, <laughs> but until then, like, let's use what we have, you know? And uh, yeah, so I, that's why, I, and again, like, something like this, the round bone chop or the, the shoulder chop, it's probably half the price, maybe even less than a loin chop or a rib chop. Yeah. And that really makes it, you know, again, we need to sell rib chops and loin chops and things like that, but there's a lot more of shoulder on the animal. Yeah. Um, and so just to turn people on to it, so that's what I say, like when I show up to dinners, if I'm cooking dinner for folks, or I'm showing up to a, a barbecue and I'm bringing something, I'll always bring lamb and I'll bring something like this because it's just not something that people have and they'll eat it and they always say the same thing, they're like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. For <laughs> right. As if like, they didn't I, expect I didn't think it. You yeah. needed that last button. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just really good. Period. Um, yeah. All right. I'm so, gonna cut these little one of these little lollipop yeah. guys up here. So this is what my stepmom and I had 
uh, for our, our, our first dinner together. Oh, nice. And it was lovely. It was so good. Um, and I'm sure your father was either lo- looking down or up. I didn't know him. I'm not sure which way. He was, <laughs> uh, you know, and kind of looking all around. I'm yeah. sure he's happy. So these were actually sort of pre-marinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I bought them, they had been sitting in probably oil and vinegar with garlic. Gotcha. Um, so, but yeah. these, you know, I mean, these are, you know, for like a party food, they're kind of fun, right? You can eat with your fingers. It's yeah. sort of like eating a wing almost. Absolutely. You just like pick it up and you can just sort of bite into it. Yeah. And he, but again, if you're feeding a lot of people, this is not, you know, yeah. in terms of like economics. If no. money is no object, then sure. It's not. Um, and texturally, you know, because of the cut, um, and possibly yeah. because this, you know, I don't know if this was a pastured animal or not. The meat is not as enjoyable to eat, I don't think, as right? the shoulder chop we just had. At least yeah. for me. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's super soft. It's really Very tender. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but it's 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 still really delicious, obviously, that marinade yeah. is the yep. thing I taste. And that's why sure. I tend to... I tend to lean away from, from marinades yeah. and things like that and just go for straight up salt to yep. help bring out some of the yep. sort of natural flavor. Because yep. um, again, like I want to taste what I'm eating, yeah. you know? And so like, you know. I do love the garlic with the lamb. There's some garlic in the marinade. There's, you know, I definitely, I'm, I'm into garlic. I'm into all the marinade. All right. For sure. All right, now I guess we should get into the... Let me get into the leg. Yeah. Get into the leg. Which way should I slice it? Um, probably... Yeah, so the right. grain, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the grains are going yeah, okay. down. So, yeah. And so that's something you want to pay attention to on things like leg and shoulder is looking for the grain uh, and slicing uh, against that grain. Again, taking those long muscle fibers and making them shorter, uh, so uh, they're they're less tough. Um, and so usually, like you know, when people talk about like, certain cuts being tough, definitely off the shoulder and off the leg. You know, a lot of things can contribute to that sort of. Uh, an animal that wasn't hung properly after slaughter, and certainly an animal that wasn't butchered, uh, butchered properly. Right. And that looks awesome. Yeah, it does. That's great. And then here, let's just throw a little. Yeah, put some on the board side. Yeah. So the leg of lamb ends up being one of the biggest cuts you can get. Yeah. So I mean, so that's something that if you are feeding a group, and that's why I think it tends to be one of the big, you know, the heavy hitters for Easter. Sure. And there's so many things you can do with it. Obviously, you can take it, you can roast the whole leg of lamb, shank on, mm-hmm. and what they call chump on, which is the sirloin or, or the hip area. That can stay on. You can just do the leg itself with the shank removed yep. and the hip removed. There's so many different things you can do. You can, you can debone it, uh, seam it out, uh, kebabs. Mm. Obviously, you can grind it, you mm-hmm. know, because there's a good amount of fat on the mm-hmm. outside of it. And so, you know. And this definitely, as you mentioned, I mean, definitely this has that chew to it. It doesn't have the same lamb flavor as the shoulder chop. No. I feel like the shoulder chop, and certainly because I think it has more fat sort of running through it, yep. um, tastes a lot more lamby. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, this that, is delicious. Yep. It just doesn't have that sort of same lamb. Oh, it's good. Mm. Um, and again, because the fat contributing to the flavor, those, fat, those fatty acid compounds, right? Um, and again, the leg being a fairly lean right. uh, grouping of muscles yep. where that fat is mostly on the outside. Right. So if you were trying to get somebody to come to the come sure. to the lamb side, sure. um, I oh, that's think, a good point. I didn't think. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. So they use the leg. So your brother-in-law standing yeah. a lot, right? 
Whereas the shoulder is going to actually have more muscle use mm-hmm. because the head's going up and down. And it's also, it's, it's the majority of the weight of the animal. Yep. It's doing the majority of the work and yep. holding the animal up. Yep. Um, so again, that fat, you can easily be trimmed off the yep. leg and you've got a really great tasty piece of meat. And I think that's, this is, the, this is more often than not my go-to cut when people say they don't like lamb. And they go, well, try this and yeah. tell me that you still don't. Uh, and they like it. Cool. And then we've got our lamb burgers. We've got burgers, yeah. Cool. Do you put anything on, on them or is um, it already seasoned inside? It's right? already seasoned inside. Um, usually I will do this li- little that yogurt sounds, and yeah. barisa thing on there and just awesome. give it a, a little schmear. Um, yeah. And then again, like, you know, something like this uh, in terms of like instead of your sort of very traditional beef burger or something yeah. like that, like a lamb burger yeah. on the grill, yeah. I always cook it with a on a flat top flat surface so a cast iron on the grill or a sheet pan on the grill and that way um, you can see all that really awesome lamb fat in there yeah. it renders in its own fat so all that flavor isn't uh, being incinerated by the flame so no flame broiling no flame broiling <laughs> like that's just all the flavor going away mm. I mean I love mustard mm-hmm. I love capers I love lamb yeah I love orissa yeah I love a potato bun. Thanks, Martins. Always, right? I don't. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, bri- no brioche. I know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'll probably be, you know, we'll probably get hate mail or something for that. But like, there's enough. There's enough fat in the meat yeah. that you don't have to add the fat of butter. Yep. And the, and the potato roll is just a perfect uh, vessel. For and uh, you know, something that obviously you can't see because this is radio. Uh, the way that Brian made these patties was between the tops of two deli containers, and so these patties are not that big and I really like they're not like miniature like sliders no but they're like wide and flat probably like three ounces each maybe yeah uh, maybe a little less and they're I mean to me it's like the perfect size especially if you are at like a barbecue yeah right you don't want to sit down to a giant burger like you would in a restaurant you want to have a burger you can hold this in one hand you can hold your beer in your other hand yeah talk you can hang out you you know and that's what barbecuing is really all about or grilling sorry yes sorry Sorry. grilling (laughs) you're right um, yeah, and so like it's a thin patty. I'm uh, again like I'm very sort of specific about my burgers, and I like no brioche. And also, I don't like bistro burgers. I don't like a, a burger like as thick as my fist or yeah. something like that. Uh, I like them thin. Uh, and so what you can do here is like if you have to have two, just stack it and just do yeah. something like that. Yeah, so, or eat yeah. a second potato. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks, Brian. It's been really awesome to have you back. You were the first person to be on Feast Years twice, so. Um, Sorry, I'm stuffing my mouth. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the listeners for that. No, um, I don't know if they can revoke internet uh, radio licenses or anything like that. Hopefully they won't after this, but Harry, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Feast Your Ears today. I hope you enjoyed my little spoken word piece and my interview and cooking with Brian. Hopefully you'll go out and get yourself some lamb for dinner. Big thank you to David Tatashore for engineering this show every week. You can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to like the show, wherever you happen to listen to it, and you can reach out to me if you have any questions. Harry at the Brooklyn Kitchen. You can follow me on social media at the Foodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter 
Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.